Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. We found out that they had dug a large hole earlier that day and took her down to this isolated location, had her walk to the hole and put her inside. She kept trying to pop her head up, and he kept pushing it down with his foot. I'm Yardley. And I'm Zibby. And we're fascinated by true crime. So we invited our friends, detectives Dan and Dave, to sit down with us and share their most interesting cases. I'm Dan. And I'm Dave. We're identical twins, and we're detectives in small-town USA. Dave investigates sex crimes and child abuse. Dan investigates violent crimes, and together we've worked on hundreds of cases, including assaults, robberies, murders, burglaries, sex abuse, and child abuse. Names, places, and certain details, including relationships, have been altered to protect the privacy of the victims and their families. While we realize that some of our listeners may be familiar with these cases, we hope you'll join us in continuing to protect the true identities of those involved out of respect for what they've been through. Thank you. This case tells the story of a murder committed in the backwoods of small-town USA in the fall of 2001. Just six months prior to the crime being committed, Sandra, wife to Paul and mother to Jason, their 17-year-old son, filed for divorce, which upset her husband. Though Paul had never physically hurt Sandra, he was known to be emotionally abusive, particularly when he drank, which was often. Though they were quite private, friends and family sensed that there was a long-standing discord between the two. But now that their son Jason had been living on his own for just over a year, Sandra felt confident to take the necessary steps to separate from her husband and go live with a friend for the next four months. That's when the reality of Sandra's decision really set in for Paul. 
she enrolled in school and started making plans for a future that didn't involve her soon-to-be ex-husband. Paul didn't like losing control of Sandra. It was getting to him. So he asked their son Jason to move back home for moral support. Both father and son were frequently vocal about their anger towards Sandra for wanting the divorce. Sandra's own sister recalls a phone conversation where Sandra admitted that she knew her son Jason hated her and expressed hope that one day he'd get over his resentment. Little did she know that neither Paul nor Jason had any intention of getting over Sandra. Today on Small Town Dicks, we have the usual suspects, Detective Dan. So glad to be back. Detective Dave. Good morning, everyone. And we are so pleased to have Detective Kurt with us today. Good morning. Tell us about this case and how it came to you. Well, the 911 center received a call late one evening. An individual said that he wanted to let people know that his wife was missing and that he knew where she was. And he just wanted to let them know, and he assured them that he had not hurt her, but that uh, they needed to find her. 911, where's your emergency? Um, I'm calling to tell you that I'm responsible for my wife's disappearance. Okay, where's your wife? And where are you now, sir? I'm out in the... And uh, I just want someone to know that, I just want someone to know and I want them to know where she's at. Okay, what's your name? My name is And where is she? On the road. Uh, as you cross itself, mm-hmm. you go up the road a little ways. Okay. And there's a guardrail and the gravel road that crosses the pavement. Okay. Down there, a couple hundred yards. She's off. Okay, off the gravel road. Yes. On the right hand side. I'm calling because I know I've done wrong, and I am so sorry. Okay. And I don't know what to do. Okay, where are you now? I'm trying to do the right thing. Okay, you are definitely doing the right thing. You're definitely. Can I find out where you are? No, I'm not going to tell you. Okay, are you? Uh, you'll find me. I'm not far from where anyone will find me. Where about, you said you're there. Okay, you said you're there. Yeah. Okay, about where I, I want you to. I want you to be sure to know that I didn't hurt her. I did not hit her. I did not hurt her. I just. Has she been. Has, more than more than I could handle. Okay, has she been reported missing? I don't know. Okay. I, okay. I'm reporting her now. Okay, I need you to hang on a minute because I'm going to let you talk to the sheriff's office. They're real familiar with that area. No. Sir, don't, don't. I'm going to go. Please don't Thank do you. I, I just want her family to know it didn't hurt her. Okay. She was not hurt. She is was she, not molested. She was not hit. She was not hurt. Is she alive? Just the divorce. Is she alive? I don't think so. You I don't think, think she so. is? What happened to her? Did she I'm fall? Scared. I'm scared. Oh, I understand that. Uh, yeah, just, make sure, just make sure her family gets her. Okay. okay. Sir, did she fall down? Is that what happened? No. Did you push her? No, I didn't. Okay. Just make sure. Okay, can you you give me any idea what happened to her? Hello? Hello? About 10 minutes later, Paul calls back and is instantly transferred to the sheriff's office dispatcher who takes over. 
This is Katie. This. Hi. Hi. What's going uh, on? I've done something really terrible, and I, I'm scared. I'm upset, and I need help. Okay. I'm. I'm here. All right. I'm here. I'm not, I'm not gonna run away. I was gonna. Do something terrible to myself. Okay, I want you to I hold. can't do that. Okay, I want you to hold on just a minute so I can get to a phone where I can talk to you, okay? Okay. All right, hold okay. on. Yeah. Are you at home? No. Where are you? I'm out in the... I want... Um, look. It's okay. All I want to do... No, it's not. It's not okay. I just... It's not. Okay. Okay, it's not. Okay. Not. I want I want to do right, okay? Okay. I want to show them where she's at. Okay. I want to. All right. I, I mean nobody any harm. I have no weapon. I I just want I'm just so sorry. It's all it's all right. I'm right no, here. It's not. It is. I'm right here to help any way I can. Okay? Yeah, I know, and I'm gonna go to jail no. and all that. But, but, but that's... okay, but let's let's make it right. I am trying. Okay, are you in your car? <laughs> yeah. Now look, are they out looking for me or something? No, they're not, because we didn't know where to start looking to help you. So. This... Oh God. Okay. It's all right. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. If I leave where I'm at, I'm going to be out of cell service, okay? Okay, so don't leave where I'm you're... clear up on top of the hill. Are you I'm on... way up. Are you on top of... No, 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 no. Now, look. Look. Oh, God. I want to help them, okay? Tell your people all I want to do is help them. I'm, I'm not going to run. I'm not going to hide. Okay. I, 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 want, I want my wife, okay? Okay. That's all I want. Okay. I won't hurt anybody, okay? All right. I know that. Now, look. No, you don't. Just tell You're help. supposed to say that. Okay, look. Okay. I know. I know how to get the... Okay. Okay. Is there anybody there? Yes. They're not going to point their guns at me and shoot me? No, they're not going to shoot Yeah, me. right. Okay. Look. Look. You tell... Is there someone waiting to go somewhere? That guys that are just guards. Oh, God. What kind of vehicle are you in? I'm in a Chevy Suburban. A dark blue Chevy Suburban. You... Oh, God. What'd you do? I did wrong. What? Just I, I can't. I just can't. I can't even say it. I hurt my wife. Where is she? I can't even I can't say it. I can't even say it. Oh, God. Okay. Okay, look, I'm not gonna run, okay? Okay. I'm gonna. Okay. I'm gonna go down here. I'm gonna wait at the road for him, okay? Yeah, okay. I'll show you right where she's okay. at. How I'll show we, everybody. Okay, but how do we find you? 
I'll go right there. Okay, I'll come where, on. Tell me where that is. I don't know the name of the hill. I don't know. How, um, where can we? How about if we come pick you up and you can take us there? Uh, I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm so confused. You don't have to be confused. I can help you. Listen, with this. I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna drive right down to the gravel road and I'll sit there until someone comes and finds me. But what gravel okay? road is that? So I'm going right down here. It's off road. Okay? Just tell him not to shoot me, okay? We're not going to shoot you. Tell him, yeah, well. We don't even know what's going on yet. Nobody's going to shoot I'm you. I'm so scared. I've done so wrong. But I don't know what's going so wrong. I, I want help. I'll, I'm Liz. Son. Oh, man. Wow, so that call dropped out before she could get a jag on where exactly Paul was, right? Did they ever manage to locate him? Yeah. Eventually, quite some time later, deputies were able to find him and his vehicle. So he did, in fact, wait for the police like he said he would. Was he still as distraught as he had been on the call? He was clearly upset. He explained that his wife might be deceased and showed where she was. Like I say, it was off a gravel road, through the bushes, so it's not a place that anybody's going to be walking. It's not near a hiking trail or anything like that. Are we talking 60 feet, 100 feet off the gravel road? Maybe 100 feet. And when they arrived, he said that he had buried her, so they immediately handcuffed him for their own safety. Wow. Till they could figure out what was going on, and then they did find her. So he escorts them to the gravesite. Yes. And he just kind of stands by and watches while they get to work uncovering her. Right. Any idea how far down she was? I'd say at least a couple feet. And digging with their nightsticks in their hands. Right. Wow. When they uncover the body, what state is it in? Well, she was clearly deceased. She had zip ties on her hands, duct tape on her mouth. Is she face down or face up in this grave? She's kind of on her side. Does she have any outward signs of injuries or anything that you'd say, well, that might be a cause of death right there? Uh, not cause of death. She had duct tape on her mouth and her hands and feet were tied. I think there was a small amount of blood on her face, but no clear signs of cause of death. Did Paul offer up any explanation? By that time, Paul had stopped talking. He wasn't going to give us any information as to what happened or how this all came about. Right. It's like he did his part. He took you to where the body was. And right. now his part of the deal is over with. Oh, my God. And he took you there out of guilt, remorse? Yes. I'm sure it was. But not enough to actually divulge everything that happened. Right. Initially, how many deputies were there? Two initially and then a third. And then I, I was called out to go to the scene. So you arrive, and what's your role? Like, how do you proceed with this investigation if he stopped talking? I tried to get as much information as I could from the deputies and then wrote a search warrant for his house and his vehicle, and that took a few hours. And then we responded to the house, found a number of items in the vehicle, uh, tarps, and I believe there was some duct tape also in the vehicle. Didn't find a whole lot else at the house at that time. Anybody else at the house? No. And he's, I think he had some minor run-ins with the law traffic problems or whatever, but uh, he wasn't a career criminal. I mean, this is something uh, way out of 
line for him. Did he do drugs ever, or was he? I don't believe so. Wow. There was no prior history of abuse? There was alcoholism. There was uh, mental abuse. But as far as physical abuse, we didn't come up with anything. Meanwhile, what about Sanders' autopsy? If she's not suffering signs of homicidal violence, blunt force trauma, there are no ligature marks on her, what did the coroner determine was her cause of death? The judgment by the coroner, I believe, was that it was asphyxiation because of the burial. So she had been buried alive. Right. Oh, my God. What a horrible way to go. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, folks. Detective Dave here. Let me tell you about Simply Safe, the home security system that I trust to keep my family safe. I depend on Simply Safe to provide me and my loved ones with 360 degree coverage of my property and valuables. I love the variety of monitoring sensors available with Simply Safe Home Security. You get a glass break sensor, which in my experience is one of the most effective tools of detecting a break in. In addition, Simply Safe offers motion sensors, entry sensors, sirens, and flood and fire detection. With Simply Safe Home Security, I have the flexibility to use keypads at multiple entries at my house. This option is especially important to me and my family. I can provide access to people I trust and limit having multiple keys outside of my control, all at the push of a button via the Simply Safe app. It comes with a variety of cameras for indoors and outdoors. And best of all, Simply Safe is backed by 24 7 professional monitoring for less than $1 a day. It gives me peace of mind knowing I can leave the house, I can leave town, I can even leave the country, and I know my home is simply safe. The mobile app integration makes it so easy to make sure everything's in place in real time. I check it every day when I'm away from home. Simply Safe is the best. U.S. News and World Report named Simply Safe Best Home Security Systems 2024. And Newsweek ranked it Best Customer Service in Home Security. With Simply Safe, there are no contracts. And if you're not happy with the service or the product, they have a 60 day money back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind. We want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off any new Simply Safe system with Fast Protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/slash smalltown. That's simplysafe.com/slash smalltown. There's no safe. Like Simply Safe. Mm-hmm. 
So as you start this investigation, what kind of details do you uncover that help you put all of these pieces together and go, oh, this is why the crime was committed and here's who did it? Well, shortly after we did the search warrant, we were contacted by an individual related to Paul. And this third party had received some information that Paul and Sandra's son, Jason, who was 17 at the time, had admitted to being involved with his father. What? Oh. And so we followed that up. Initially, it was very difficult to get this cousin to talk to us, but eventually he did. And he explained how Jason had come to him and told him what he'd done. And about six months prior to this, Sandra had applied for a divorce. And at the time that this happened, she was separated from the family. She was living with a friend. She was working a swing shift. And her lawyer had said, you need to stay in contact with your kid. So after she got off swing shift, she made arrangements to go meet with them late and just spend a little time with the family. Sandra goes to the house, the family home, and uh, when she gets there, she's immediately attacked by her son and husband. (gasps) One of them has pepper spray, the other has a taser. Oh, my God. And they knock her down, put the zip ties, duct tape on her mouth, and tied her additionally with rope. So this was a plot? Yes. It was an ambush. It was planned. It was an ambush, yeah. By father and son? Correct. Okay. So then they put her in the back of a vehicle, and they have the son drive her vehicle back into town. They were living out in the country at the time. And they parked the vehicle in the city, left it there, got in the other car together, and they drove out to We found out that they had dug a large hole earlier that day, both the father and son, and took her down to this isolated location, had her walk to the hole and put her inside and then buried her. But she wasn't dead yet. No. Oh, my God. And the horrific thing about it was that she kept trying to pop her head up And, I mean, the son told his cousin this. She kept trying to pop her head out, and he kept pushing it down with his foot. (sighs) While they were burying her. While they were burying her. I can't. Oh, my God. So there was about a 10-day period between the time that we found the body and the time we were sure that the son was involved, and we ended up arresting him also. The other interesting thing is when he went over to his cousin's house, he brought a bag with him, and he told the cousin to get rid of this, take it up and burn it or do something with it. And it turned out to be his shoes. Ultimately, we were able to get a search warrant, recover the shoes, and found a trace amount of the victim's blood on the bottom of the shoe. From pushing her down into the grave? Most likely, yeah. So she's obviously aware of what's happening when she climbs down into this hole and starts getting showered with dirt. Oh, no question. Right. I mean, the terror somebody would feel. So she shows up at this house with no indication that either of them are upset with her to the point that they're going to attack her. No, I mean, both the father and son were upset and apprehensive about the divorce. They felt that maybe she was going to sell the house and that uh, they were going to be out in the cold. And and so they were both angry with her, but she never expressed a concern that they would actually harm her. Now, the son, he had a anger management problem. He had difficulty in school, and he had a real real attitude and a lot of anger. And he was somewhat surprised when Dad told the police about this, and he was not happy. When Jason told his cousin, was it after he had found out his own dad had told the police, 
Or was it just simply to confide in his cousin, get it off his chest? I don't think he knew yet. When you find out Jason is a part of this and you catch up with him and arrest him, is he remorseful? Is he defiant? Does he deny everything? What's his affect? Pretty much defiant. Like she deserved it or? No, he refused to talk to us. Oh. He refused to give us any details. But he was very arrogant and defiant. How about Paul's demeanor? So son Jason is fairly defiant, isn't talking, doesn't show any outward remorse. But again, you know, on these phone calls, Paul is distraught. I mean, he kept saying on that call, I've, I've done a bad thing. I'm so sorry. I want to make it right. I want to do right, okay? Okay. I want to show them where she's at. Okay. I'm just so sorry. But then he shuts up. Does he ever open up again and sort of issue an apology at all? Yeah. He was sorry for what he did. Now, I'm not sure if he was sorry because he got caught and he's going to prison or I would guess he was truly sorry. Again, he wasn't the hardcore, violent criminal that we often deal with. This was just a pathetic alcoholic that thought that was the only way out for him at the time. Did Paul have a job? He had a hard time keeping jobs. So he relied on Sandra for his livelihood. Right. Plus, he had a problem with spending money he didn't have, and she had to deal with that all the time, too. That was one of the reasons for her wanting to divorce, because he mishandled the money and the alcoholism. I'm just trying to imagine, you know, she's moved out. Father and son are sitting there at the house by themselves, maybe drinking, whatever. And this plot arises. Because obviously they had thought about this. They'd gone up the day before, dug the hole, things like that. Buying tarps, buying duct tape. That is a big deal. I just can't imagine that conversation with my parent. I mean, it's confounding. I'm trying to understand how you go from the conversation to actually going to buy the duct tape, choosing the location for the grave, digging the grave. There's a great distance, it seems, between hatching the plan and then carrying the plan out. Right. It's interesting that Jason has this anger towards his father about letting the cat out of the bag, but it's Jason who tells the cousin that provides some of the most damning information in this case. So loose lips sink ships. It's the dad actually calling the police, but to rely on this cousin not to ever come forward and provide information to the police is quite a gamble on Jason's part as well. Seems like both of them like to talk, one to the police on a recorded line, (laughs) the other one to a cousin in confidence. That's well said. It's like they both needed to get it off their chest. Well, and it's one of those crimes that the police can know there's something with this missing persons case, and it probably has something to do with the husband. But without a body... Those are really difficult to prosecute because how do you prove that someone died without proof that you've got the dead body? I mean, there are circumstances where it's clear nobody's going to survive this. But in this case, it would have been one of those missing persons that we always see nobody's ever found. And she's buried in a grave deep enough that erosion, it would have taken centuries for that to be eroded. I mean, two or three feet of soil. Animals maybe get to her, maybe not, but Even a hunter who's walking through that area is not going to immediately recognize, well, that looks like a fresh gravesite. Right. This could have gone unsolved, but with the police knowing, I know that guy had something to do with it, but you can't prove it. Had Jason ever been in trouble before? Was he a troubled teen? 
Yeah, he had some violent confrontations at school. So do you get the sense that he was missing that empathetic piece? We've often talked about people who show no remorse have that sociopathic thing. And did you recognize that inside the son? In a personal opinion, yeah. I'm obviously not a psychologist or anything, but oftentimes the people we deal with, they have no empathy. They're just empty. And I got that feeling from the son. You know, the the father probably never would have killed anybody again. But the son, maybe. Can you imagine that walk while she's zip-tied and duct-taped and... And probably struggling. I can't imagine that feeling, and I'm just trying to creep inside her mind. I'm doing the same thing as you are. And also, I wonder how real it felt for her. Like, at what point did she realize, I'm not going to make it out? Because those are her kin. That's her ex-husband, the father of her son, and that's her child. And so I, I just wonder... How much of that walk she thought, okay, they're trying to teach me a lesson. This is horrifying and unforgivable, but there's no way they're going to kill me. And then the son puts his shoe on your face or your head to push you down. It's shocking. And we've heard a lot of shocking stories on this podcast. So there is absolutely no doubt Jason and Paul buried Sandra alive. You have confessions. You have the bloody boots to prove it. I mean, does this case even go to trial? No. Ultimately, we end up not going to trial. They pled out, and both of them got life in prison with Paul getting mandatory 30 years, I believe, and Jason getting 25 years mandatory. And do they sit in prison today? Yeah. It was kind of interesting. Jason was very angry at his father for telling the police what had happened because if he'd uh, kept his mouth shut, nobody would be in jail. So while they were in jail, we kept them separate, and we monitored their visits. And this is something that goes on in most jailhouses throughout the country where it's clearly documented or it's written on the wall that we could be monitoring your visit or your telephone conversation. And so they know that. And talking to his relatives, it was clear that Jason was still very angry at Paul. And something happened one day. They were both having visits at the same time. From relatives? From relatives. Mm -hmm. And they couldn't see each other. And in those days, we had analog recording systems. So if you wanted a particular visit recorded, a deputy had to go in and put little toggle switches on a, <laughs> on some wires and hook up a tape recorder. Half our listeners won't even be able to imagine what that is. <laughs> true. It was pretty antiquated. Uh, but it was, it was effective. It worked. And we were able to get the conversations. And usually they were worthless because they know they're potentially being monitored. One day... Father and son were both having visits in separate parts of the facility. And something happened. I, to this day, I have no idea how this came about, but some wires got crossed or something. So they could hear each other. No. What? <laughs> it was. What are the odds? Oh, my God. I don't know how it happened. It was a little weak, but they could clearly hear each other. And at one point, Paul starts talking to his son. And Jason goes, that detective set this up. <laughs> Meaning you. Me. And he says, fuck you, detective. <laughs> oh, my God. Because he figures you're listening. Because he's figuring Sure. And I was. To this day, I, if I could have figured out a way to do that on my own, I would have. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but it was kind of bizarre. And yeah. if they were sort of exchanging words in that moment, were there hostile words to one another as well? More so Jason against uh, Paul. Paul was just, he'd been beaten down. He was done. 
I think he still wanted to maintain a relationship with his son, but... I have to confess that I listened to the 911 call before I had heard about the details of what had happened to Sandra, and the empathetic part of me was really taken by the tone in Paul's voice on that call. He was so insistent that he hadn't hurt her. I actually kind of felt sorry for him. Again, this is before I knew what he had done, but still, even knowing what I know now after doing this podcast about what people are capable of, I think I still struggle to reconcile the viciousness of what Paul actually did with the remorse in his voice on that confession call. And I think that's something that I keep hearing time and time again from your side of the table and in your line of work that you don't ever get fooled necessarily in a way that I might still. I think Detective Kurt touched on it earlier where he said, I think he's sorry because he got caught. And his statement on the phone, it's also self-serving. And that's what we encounter all the time when people are confessing. We don't get the remorse. We get remorse because they got caught and it's really self-serving. This is why I did it because I'm the victim here. Yeah, he kept saying, I'm scared. I was scared I was in over my He's trying to make himself into the victim and he's not. Well, so when you say self-serving, he got himself caught. So that calls about him because he's trying to relieve himself of the guilt and get it out of him. And he's trying to make you feel sorry for him. That's why it's self-serving. He also gives you his tell, though. He says, I'm going to go to jail. That's his fear. So he gives you what... What the motivation is. He gives you what he's worried about, giving too much information, that his freedom's gone. Not that he killed somebody. So guys will do that in interviews sometimes, mistakenly give the investigator their tell or the hurdle preventing them from giving you the confession. They'll hand it to you. I remember listening to his 911 call, and he gives you the tell. I heard it right away. I said, oh, jail's the hurdle that you would have to get over with him. And in the initial call, he talks about that he's going to end his own life. That's what I picked up in that conversation. He's such a coward, he still can't do it. He's worried about the police shooting him. He seems to have a foot in both camps. One, I was able to plan this murder with my son, dig the hole the next day, tie her up, bury her alive, and then, 24 hours later, make a call saying, I did this terrible thing. As though straddling both sides of the fence exonerates him from the worst part of it. It's a really interesting, equally fucked up philosophy as somebody who has no empathy whatsoever. (laughs) True. And he's still claiming I didn't hurt her. I know. There's the big fat lie, isn't it? It's despicable. You investigated a lot of homicides in the course of your career. Right. And this one was about a year before you retired, right? Right. Is it one of the worst you encountered? And what do you do with that? Where does that reside in you? Because as lay people, we're so rattled by it. And obviously, you all are too, but it's also your day-to-day Like a lot of the cases, you once in a while, something will remind you, you know, obviously it's not good thoughts, but it's not something that if you were to dwell on it, you'd go crazy. Sure. So you just choose not to dwell. Yeah. Yeah. And I can talk about any of these cases. And like you say, it's horrific and it's a terrible situation. And I do have empathy, but in our job, if you were to dwell on these things, you just wouldn't be able to function. You couldn't do the job. No. Right. Thank you for sitting down with us, Detective Kurt. Yeah, thank you. What a story. 
Small Town Dicks is produced by Zibby Allen and Yardley Smith and co-produced by detectives Dan and Dave. This episode was edited by Logan Heftel, Yardley Smith, and Zibby Allen. Music for the show was composed by John Forrest. Our associate producer is Erin Gaynor, and our books are cooked and cats wrangled by Ben Cornwell. If you like what you hear and want to stay up to date with the show, head on over to smalltowndicks.com and become our pal on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Small Town Dicks. We love hearing from our small town fam, so hit us up. Yeah, and also we have a YouTube channel where you can see trailers for past and forthcoming episodes. And we're part of Stitcher Premium now. That's right. If you choose to subscribe, you'll be supporting our podcast. That way, we can keep going to small towns across the country and bringing you the finest in rare true crime cases, told, as always, by the detectives who investigated them. Thanks for listening, small town fam. Nobody's better than you. <laughs>